Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by the Technical Director of La Havre's famous academy, Michelle Bunel, for a chat inside their unique coaching philosophy. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, Connor. Thank you for inviting me and uh, I'm very pleased to be to be with you tonight. Michelle, I think I've ruined it already. Is it Michelle or Michael? <laughs> I'll say. Yeah, Michelle, Michael, Michael, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a universal name, you know, so it goes, it can be pronounced in, in every, in every, um, everywhere, uh, in every um, uh, languages, you know. So right, we'll, we'll go, we'll go up Michael, we'll go up Michael. So, yes. um, you know, obviously spending nigh on 20 years now at the infamous Le Havre Academy, I suppose, I mean, what was your football upbringing before arriving at the club? Um, well, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not, as you said, we're working in academy. So academy means teaching process, you know, teaching the kids how to play football. You know, I used to be a teacher, you know, I was a, an English teacher a long time ago. And now I'm, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a youth developer, you know, uh, directing, I would say the academy and, um, my objective is to teach the kids or to prepare them to reach the highest level. You know, so uh, of course we select the players. You know, when when they come into the academy, and then my job is to prepare or to organize a methodology from five and a half to twenty to make sure that we help them to to grow and to be ready to maybe one day to reach the top level. You know, so this is my job. So. I'm very happy now because I used to be a teacher. Now I'm a coach, so I'm mixing. I would say my both my both uh, passions, you know, which is uh, teaching and uh, and football, and uh, this is what I do every day in the, in the academy. You know, doesn't sound like the worst job in the world, but um, you mean ultimately there's been such sustained success stemming from La Havre's academy for generations now, it seems. But for you, you know, having been inside there for sixteen to twenty years. What is the core strategy or foundation underpinning all of this success? Um, first, uh, yes, you're, you're right. You know, uh, I mean, maybe it's, it's important to understand the, the club before, you know, before before talking about the, the, the methodology and the strategy. You know, um, Le Havre is a small club. You know, we are, we are playing in League Two. We used to be in League One a long time ago. Uh, now, of course, if you compare Le Havre to Lyon, to Paris Saint-Germain or to other clubs in Europe, we are far from them because we don't have the same facilities. We don't have as much money as they have. But youth development has, and the academy has always been, I would say, the, the heart of the project of the club, of, of the sport project of the club. That means when, when, when the, the chairman, you know, uh, a long time ago, um, was owning the club, he decided to, to develop, I would say, this academy. And, and, and because we were producing a lot of players, you know, we, we, we kept on, you know, working on, on developing academy, on developing players. And now we have new chairman. We have, uh, uh, there was a technical director be, be before me. Now there's going to be a, a technical director after me. But the philosophy of the club is, is really based, you know, on youth development, you know. And of course, because we have this uh, this philosophy, then it's very easy because you are famous. You can you can uh, your 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 fame, you know, is based on the players you know we produced you know in the past. So it's very easy to attract, I would say, some players. And then every day, you know, we are lucky to have a, 
uh, a team, I would say a team, because this is a staff, but for me, it's a team, you know. We've been working all together for a long time now, you know, and we know we know each other very well. There is no competition between the, the coaches. There is no competition between the teams, you know. Our only objective is to produce players. So my, my objective for me is to, to bring the players to the to, to the pro to the pro team. And to do this, we have a strategy every day, you know, a methodology we use every day from the very youngest one, you know, to the reserve team. Okay, to, to help the, the, the players to grow technically, tactically, physically, mentally. Okay. And um, one, I would say, specific aspect we are developing now in Le Havre is perception and scanning, you know, because uh, this is for me a quality that, that is required to become a top player. Because when we compare all the players we had, uh, we produce, you know, in the academy. Those players, you know, like Pogba, like uh, Mendy, uh, Ferran Mendy in Real Madrid, like Kylian Marez, all those players, you know, uh, had something more than the other ones. You know, we have top players in the academy, but those succeed because they have something different. And because of my experience, as you said, I've been working there for 17 years now. Uh, I try to analyze and I, and I say maybe scanning and perception can be something that makes the difference, you know. Of course, they have a good technique, they have a physical qualities, but maybe something that makes the difference. And and we we have this scanning work, you know, uh, with our kids, you know, every day or almost every day, you know, um, in in as part of my, of our methodology. We touch on scanning and a bit, um, you know, I have a keen interest in that anyways, Michael. But um. What I'm very interested in touching upon is, of course, Le Havre is in a bit of a rural area, for those that don't know. Um, however, Paris is a big catchment area, like two hours away to the mm-hmm. east. But, you know, counterintuitively, not having the resources of a PSG or a Lyon has allowed you to be a little bit more creative and innovative when finding solutions. Now, if you look at the list of players which you guys have produced over the years, it's quite remarkable. Like of Paul Pogba, Dimitri Payet, Riyad Mahrez, Wesley Fofana, Steve Mandanda, Furlan Mendy. And you said something interesting in a podcast recently where you spoke about coaching the player and not coaching the exercise. Could you elaborate yeah. possibly a bit more on that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, I would say, the heart of my philosophy. Okay, that's something I, I learned from uh, Bob Bradley. Okay, who used to work uh, in uh, Swansea actually because he, he spent six months in Swansea and and uh, he used to be the national team coach, you know, of um, of the USA, and and he was the manager here in Le Havre. You know, he spent a year and a half here in Le Havre, and I was his assistant coach. You know, I was working with him in his staff, uh, and um, that's something he, he taught me. He taught me, and it it really you know fit to what we do every day. That means the exercise is only a way to uh, to have the player work, you know, um, technically, tactically. Uh, but the most important is not the exercise or the drill, or it's not the drill you are you are you are you are using on the field. The most important is what you the advice I would say you give to the players every day. And sometimes you can even play, I would say, uh, uh, a rondo, four v two, a very simple exercise. But again, it's not the exercise that makes the player. 
is what you're going to teach him to do. You know, how, how to position his body, how to, uh, if he has to use one touch, two touch, if he, if he read uh, on the other side of the ball before receiving the ball, you know. And, and, and in fact, w in France, you know, when you, when you go and watch uh, some, some training sessions, you often hear the coaches, you know, uh, coaching the exercise, you know, talking about the rules, talking about uh, you have, you can do this, you can't do that, uh, you can come into this area, you cannot come into this area. But the most important is not to have this, you know, the most important is to act on, I would say, the, the behavior rules, you know, you give to the player, you know, because at the end, the exercise is only a, a base where you're going to teach the, the, the players uh, to, to work, you know. And, uh, and I really think that the, 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 the coaches, and this is what we do now every day, uh, should focus on what they're going to teach during the drill and not how they're going to organize it, you know, because when you organize it, that's just a, an area with uh, uh, two areas or three areas with mini, one goal, two goal with the... But and then at the end, it's not there the most important. The, mo the most important is what you, you say to your kid and what, what you, you tell them to do or not to do uh, that, that makes the difference. You know? and, and, and this is why coaching for me, the player, is more important than coaching the exercise. The exercise has to be simple, easy to understand. And if it's too complicated, they will not understand. The, 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 you will spend more time coaching the exercise because they will not respect the rules. No, the most important is to have, to, is to have something easy. They understand it. They do. They play. And then... You, as a coach, spend more time correcting uh, mistakes, giving some cues, making them understand the game, teaching them the game according to your game model. And this is for me what makes the difference as a coach. And it, and it keeps coaches and players on their feet when you have to be so adaptable. What I'm curious yeah. about too, a lot more though, uh, Michael, is the kind of the type and the demographic of player that will be coming to, your, to you guys because your geographical landscape you know, you're two hours away from Banyuza, Paris, where there's a huge street football culture. Nonetheless, you're kind of out of the way from everything. So, you know, typically, I mean, how important to you is diversity when it comes to player development? I think um, when you, I mean, I don't know if you watch, you know, the game, I mean, probably not in England because, you know, France was playing against Spain, you know, the final of the other national, you know, the, the, the last Sunday. Yeah, the but game you want, yeah. Uh, if you look at the French national team, I think you have a global overview of what kind of players we have in France. And I, I, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, why? Because if you look at Spain, for instance, Spain's, Spain has a lot of uh, players, very technical, very easy with the ball, very, very smart, you know. But sometimes, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's quite boring to, to watch them play, you know, because they play at the same pace, you know, they, they play all together and they, they wait for the mistake or they try to create spaces and they try to use some, some spaces. And then France has a mixture of technical players, powerful players, fast players, tall players, small players, uh, easy with the ball. And I think that this diversity is is a is a is a real strength, you know, for a team. Because I think that when you when you build, you know, your game model, it is very very important to have a diversity in terms of profile, you know. 
If you have only small technical players, then the day you play against a strong team, a strong, powerful team, it might be hard, you know? If you play against uh, very powerful players, but with a limited, I would say, technical skills, then it's going to be hard for, for you to, to, to play against uh, a very technical team, you know? And I think that this mixture of skills and qualities make the difference. And if you look at France, we have very different profiles. If you, if you compare Benzema to Mbappé, Pogba to Griezmann, uh, Pogba is a tough guy, you know, very powerful, you know, very good technique, of course. Uh, Griezmann is more small, is smaller, moving in, in spaces, very smart, you know. Uh, Mbappé is very fast. Benzema is very technical and moves and play with the other one. So all this mixture of players and profile uh, make the difference. And in Le Havre, we have we are very similar to the French national team. That means a mixture of tall, powerful players with small technical players. You know, and I don't, I don't want to. I would say, uh, put into case. Uh, I don't know how do you say it in English, but you know, say the smaller ones are technical. The, the, no, that's not. Yeah. To, but that's that's, that's the summary. But at the end, I think that you need all all kind of qualities in your team, and the more qualities you have in your team, the better you're going to be. Yeah, it was Bill Shankly who said something famously back in the day about it. It was the context was a small bit different, but I still think it could be used today, where he described the team of eleven players. You need eight players to carry the piano, eight players to carry the piano, and three players yeah. to play it. So when you exactly. talk about having a diverse game model, a diverse lineup, it certainly does make sense. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, coaches have to be pulling in the same direction. And I presume at Le Havre, right, everybody's joined up with the thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I mean, uh, uh, that's, uh, again, uh, we have a game model, you know, the game, mo the game model in Le Havre is similar to every game model in the world, you know. Okay, you start from the back, you play long ball, okay, you, then it's a choice. But then, you, but then again, that's, that's what the players are able to do all together that makes the difference, you know. And, and again, uh, for me, the diversity, the mixture of qualities, okay, make the difference, you know. And, and when we recruit players, we have some ideas of, of what a, a center back should be or how, how he should look like or what a striker. But then you can see that in the French, I'm going to use the French national team as, as an example, but Mbappé is, is able to play with Benzema and they're not the same profile. You know, Mbappé is a very fast player. Benzema is more, is more technical, easy to move, easy to combine with. And, and this is what makes the difference. If we have, if we had only, if we had 11 Mbappés, I'm not, I'm not sure that we would, we would, we would, we would, we would, we would win something, you know, because you would like probably some uh, defending uh, uh, skills, or maybe you would like, uh, you would like some, uh, some uh, uh, capacity to, uh, to defend one v one v one, you know. So, again, the mixture for me is important, and when you, when you construct, when you build your game model, if you want to have a, a, a good team, you need different profile and this is your capacity to combine all those profile together and i think again what makes the difference between all this is because they are all smart if i know that you're fast but i'm technical i'm not fast then if all together we accept to we accept to play together that maybe my technique 
can be useful to your to your speed you know and this is what 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 what, what we teach you know to the young to the players at the academy it means look you know your teammates okay you know that this one is powerful you know that this one is technical you know that this one is fast the most important is that you are able to play with the qualities of your teammates so that means you must know each other you must understand each other and of course you must use the quality of your teammates so if he's fast don't play in the foot but play in the space because you know that his speed will be necessary to make the difference you know if you know that he's slow don't play in the space because if you play in the space he's going he's going to play against a faster defender and he's going to make the difference so use the strength of your teammate and to do this you have to understand and know your teammate you know and and again when you're a smart player in england in spain in, in france you're able to understand that with mbappé play play in the space because he's fast and he's faster than uh, the other, than the defenders you know so understand the, the teammate knowing the teammate for me makes the difference and again this is linked to smartness you know ultimately what you're doing michael is you're facilitating a greater conscious awareness amongst the players as to what they're doing and yeah. what you once said before at a conference i attended was you know the separator between good players and top players is football intelligence something which yep. was very much apparent in last Sunday's final between Spain and France. But for you, what does football intelligence mean? This is a very good question. Very good question because um, when you're an academy, uh, when you, you create, I would say, the, the learning environment, okay, the first question you, you ask to your to your staff and, and you ask, you know, is how do we want to play? So we want to play 4-3-3, we want to play 4-4-2. I mean, it's, it's up to everybody, okay? Then you say, okay, what, what is the aim of our everyday job or of everyday work? Our, my aim is to produce players, means to help players to play for the first team, okay? But Youth development is a long-term process. That means you start at the at the age of in you have six, and you finish at the age of twenty. And then at twenty twenty one, you play with, with a pro team or you play with a in another club. But the problem is, if I'm preparing my 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 players at the age of uh, thirteen to play four four two for the pro team. Maybe in six or seven years, probably, the manager will be away. We will be sacked, okay? Because we know that in France, a manager stays one year, a year and a half, maybe two years in a club, and then goes to another club. So my aim is to say, no, I'm not preparing. Of course, I'm preparing my players to play for the first team, of course. But my, prepare, my, my, my job is to prepare, to prepare them for the high level. So that means... My players at the academy are playing nine and a half, but maybe, and I hope, in two, five, six years, they will play for Guardiola or for Klopp or for another, or another big coach. And they don't have the same way of playing football. When you're smart, you're able to play all kinds of football because you're smart. That means understanding where you are on the field, understanding what happens on the field, and understanding what your teammate is expecting from you. 
And as I said earlier, you know, football intelligence for me is this, is the capacity of the player to adapt on the field according to the situation. It's not a question of playing 4-4-2, or 3-5-2, or 3... Uh, it's, not a, it's not a question of this. The question is, my, play, my player is smart, he will be able to play with every kind of managers, you know. Uh, Mbappé, if he goes to Man City, if he goes to Liverpool, if he goes to Real Madrid or Barcelona, he will be able to play because he's smart. Uh, Messi was in Barcelona, he's playing his PSG, he's smart, he's able to play. You know, so for me, football intelligence is this, the capacity of the player to adapt, to understand the environment, to adapt the, and to use the environment as a strength and not as a weakness. And this is very true. And as, as a youth developer, you're preparing them for the future. So that means they will start their career at the age of 20. They will finish at the age of 32, 32 33. They will play with different managers, with different styles. And because they are smart, you know, they will be able to play with different kinds of managers. You know? And when you're smart, again, is using the environment. So we were talking about scanning. Yes, scanning, whether you play in 4-4-2, whether you play in 4-3-3, you need it. You know, it's not, a, it's not a question of style or it's not a question. Uh, if you are a, a fullback, whether you're fullback in 4-4-2 or fullback in 4-3-3, overlapping is part of the, of the job, you know. So you have to, take, to teach your kid when to overlap or when to support your winger. You know, because whether you play in 4-4-2 or 4-3, this is part of the job, you know. So this is for me, football intelligence. Football intelligence is, again, the capacity of the player to adapt on the field, you know, according to the situation. Yeah, I think, that, you know, something you've touched upon in the past too, obviously, about the scanning, about the situational awareness, you know, it's a huge part of adaptation of the player to the environment. Yes. What I'm curious about though, Michael, is I didn't know that, for example, you were a teacher before but obviously you've played a prominent role in the success of La Havre Academy over the past 17 years. Um, all this work you've done on scanning, on situational awareness, so on and so forth, is that something which gradually became apparent to you during your time at La Havre? Or is that something that immediately when you arrived in through the doors that you realised this is missing from our curriculum, we must adapt this into the game model? Um. It's, it's an interesting question, but I will link it to uh, to my to my job as a teacher, and then I will link it to to my job as a as a youth coach. Um, I used to be an English teacher, so I haven't spoken English for a long time because you know in France you know we don't speak much English. But uh, I used to be an English teacher, and my job was to uh, to think about how can I teach English to French guys or to French girls, young young boys and girls, so that they remember it. And they are able to be fluid with it, you know, without uh, thinking too much or uh, learning only words, you know. So how can I how can I help them to? So it's it's part of the learning process. What happened in the head, you know? And so when I was teaching, I was thinking about this. Yes, okay, I'm going to teach uh, uh, this, but what I want them is to remember this. So what what can I do? Activities, teaching strategy. What can I do to, to make sure that they will remember it? When I, when I was starting coaching, I didn't think about it. I, I, you know, because I was working at the academy, I was, uh, I was coaching, I was, I was training, preparing my training sessions. 
And what struck me at the beginning was, I don't understand because I have very good players, you know, top top players in the academy, but I don't and I don't understand why some are succeeding and why some are not succeeding, are failing. Why some fail? Some who are failing were very good play, were very, very good players, and sometimes you had a player who was not as good as the other ones, but he, but he could succeed. Why? What makes the difference? So. At the beginning, you are, one is one is succeeding, two, three, four, five, and then you have to you are able to compare them and say what do they have in common, so that this player is is succeeding and this one is not succeeding. You know? And I was thinking about this capacity of in game intelligence. I said because okay, they all have a good technique, they all have physical qualities, but this one is playing at the top level and this one is not. Why? And again, for me, game intelligence. But then I say, yeah, but what is game intelligence? Gradually, you know, I was working with my players. I was reading because I'm a teacher, so I like reading. I like uh, searching or ma making some research, you know, about stuff. And I was lucky to um, to take, you know, my uh, my youth uh, elite license, you know, in in Clairefontaine, and I had to do some research work. And I said I, I was uh, watching videos. And I had to analyze some uh, some situations. And when I was analyzing the situations, I could see that the players were not were never when I say never were not focusing on the ball, but were focusing on the spaces on what happens. And because you know on the video you can you can see very precisely because you can stop every second what happens and you can see oh they are turning their head on the left on the right. And then I, I was lucky to, to meet some, some people who were working in Barcelona. And we were discussing about Messi. And, and, and he said, yes, Messi, that's something that we, 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 we taught him. Uh, we were doing daily, uh, daily work to, to teach him how to be aware, how to scan, how to be aware of, his, um, of, his, um, uh, of the situation he's in. You know? And little by little, you know, I started to, uh, to think about it. And uh, gradually, you know, I was adding in my training sessions some what I call scanning skills or scanning drills, you know. That means, okay, yes, but the question is, I can work on technique, I can work on the physical work. If, I, if you want them to be, be if you want your player to be better, you will have them run. If you want the, him to be better with the technique, you will have him uh, repeat some technical drills. But can I do something to help them to develop this, this uh, field of action, you know, this, this scanning uh, skill? And then little by little, you know, I tried, and this is why I came to the Football Innovation Summit. You know, I try to think about it. I say, okay, yes, but I have to find some tools to be able to, to make sure that the player is not focusing only on the ball, but is focusing on the spaces, on, on the teammates, on, on, on the opponents. And little by little, I decided to do it. I decided to try it with the kids. And actually, when you try it with the kids, you can see that two, two important points. It's fun. They like it very much. And you can see that they are improving. So I'm not telling you that everybody will become a pro. I'm not telling you this because to become a pro, you need more qualities. But at least maybe if I work this, this field you know, of, of scanning, maybe I will help one of them 
to succeed you know in the in the future you know and and now we in the half we 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 have a, a process we start at a very young age we have three four sequences per week you know and this this sequence which can be after the warm up which can be uh, during a possession game or something is called uh, scanning sequence you know so that means during 10 10 12 minutes we organize or we use tools to make sure that the player is not focusing on the ball but is focusing on some other details you know so gradually yes gradually at the beginning we were not working on this but gradually we decided to add i would say this uh, this uh, this type of work you know within our session because i think it's part of our job our job as a youth developer is to develop as many tools as possible to develop as many qualities as possible for, you know, for the players. And what I'm keen to learn more, it's something we discussed off camera before this podcast, actually, Michael, you know, the process of skill acquisition, how, you know, some players, most players you come across, they obviously have that ability to scan. It comes naturally to them or it's unnatural. It doesn't come to them. That process yeah. of inseminating learning, you know, going from working memory to long-term memory in a brain. Could you perhaps enlighten us as to some strategies or training exercises which you use to cultivate this within players? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, you know, um, I think that if you if you don't if you don't do it, if you don't work it, uh, if you don't organize, I would say drills or drills or scanning sequence every week, for sure. You know, some will do it naturally, some will not. And then we can we can discuss about this, you know, because sometimes when you play in the street, you know, when in the suburb, you know, you play with your, you play the the the, the under thirteen is playing with the under eighteen all together, you know, or we, we we all played football like this, you know, or we all started like this. You develop some qualities. You know, because you know that the, the younger ones, the, the bigger ones, will is faster than me. So you de you develop some some ways. And when you look at in France, at least I don't know in England, but in France, some of the players coming from the suburb, and especially in Paris, they have more chance to succeed than the other ones. Okay, because they are they they are playing in an environment where nothing is is organized you know nothing is organized so they have to develop different kind of, of different capacities to read scan uh, try uh, fail uh, succeed and then this help them to, to to have a kind of maturity okay then in the teaching process or in the learning process I would say I would divide it into three um, three kind of three steps. You do it naturally or not naturally, okay? So you're aware of it or you're not aware of it. Then because as a coach, I organize drills, I will make them aware of it. That means, please turn your head on the left if the ball is on the right. Turn your, check your shoulder if the ball is, uh, is in front of you to make sure that if you turn around, you know that what happens in your back, you know? And then from this moment, of awareness because you are teaching it so you are telling them what to do then it becomes automatic and when it becomes automatic then when the when the boy or when the, the girl is on the field he will do it naturally you know he will do it he will check his shoulder 
without even thinking about it. it will, because it becomes a kind of, I don't know if, we can, if I can say it in English, but it's reflex. Reflex, say yeah. yeah, correct. Reflex, no? Correct. Something that, 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 we, um, that we do without thinking about it, but, but the ball is on my left. Oh, I turn around very quickly. My turn, my, I turn my head on the, on the right just to, to make sure that there is nobody or if I can turn. And if you look at Messi, is a very good example. Just watch a game of Messi and you will see how many times, just focus your eyes on him and you will see how many times he turned his head before receiving the ball. It's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So again, uh, natural, not natural, awareness, then automatic. You know, And I, I gave you the example of driving. When, you get, when we first get into the car, when we were taught how to drive, at the beginning, it was, oh, there are too many things to think about. You know, my foot, my uh, turn the left, turn my head on the right, on the left. Uh, uh, I have to, I have to, to use my my right foot to to accelerate. I have to use my left foot to stop. I mean, so, you have to think about this. And then, if you if you if you compare what you were doing when you started to to learn how to drive, and now now you are doing things automatically without thinking. So you're turning your head, it's easy. Sometimes you're driving with one hand, sometimes you're, and it's very easy, you know? So this is exactly the same process, okay? So in Le Havre, we have drills, we have sequences. So as I said, you have a minimum of three sequences added in the session. It can be a technical work. It can be uh, a game. Okay, it can be a technical work or a game. So it can be a possession game, or it can be a, a technique, a very simple technical work. But the idea is to ask to the player to read what happens on the opposite side of the ball. Because the ball is the only object on the field. And naturally, the player is attracted by the ball. If you if you go and watch uh, a game with very young kids, you know, there is the ball, they are all around in England, in France, everywhere. They are all attracted by the ball and they are all running, you know, uh, like a, a grape, you know, they are all running uh, uh, around the ball, you know, so the ball is on the right, they are all on the right, they are all on the left. And then little by little, you know, you, you, you open your mind and you are, you are taught how to position. If you're a defender, a striker, you try to organize in the space. And then I think that the, 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 the top step or the, the, the final step is when the player is aware of everything, you know, and this is sometimes, and as I said, this is what makes the difference between the top players and the normal players, because the top players, they have a kind of radar, you know, on top of the head, and they know exactly where the, op the opponent is, where the teammate is, and when the ball gets closer, he knows that if the ball gets closer, he will have more pressure. Okay, the, the, the more the more the, the ball gets closer to you, okay, the, the, the more pressure you're gonna have. Okay, so when you receive the ball at the highest level, he knows exactly what uh, he has a, a clear uh, view of what happens around him, and then he will make the right decision. Okay, so we teach, so we have technical work, tactical uh, possession game. And we try to, again, as I said, to, to make to make things automatic, because if you work at the age of nine and you finish at the age of twenty, then you will develop some uh, skills 
in this uh, in this um, uh, I would say field of action in, in this capacity to 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 read what happens around you. And ultimately, you know, Michael, it's all connected throughout the game model, whether or not you're a six-year-old or a twenty-year-old within your own academy. Um, the one difference being, of course, the use of cues, as you elaborated upon before. You know, yeah. not every seven-year-old is going to understand what a gap or a window means. But could you yeah. just tell us a little bit more, perhaps, as to how basically this work with, with scanning is part of your game model, how it informs your game model? Yeah. Um, we have our game model. My game model is very is very huge, you know. It's like uh, 200 pages, something like this, you know. So, um, but I will, I will sum it up in this way. Uh, our game model is uh, much deep, is much deeper than uh, 442 or direct style or uh, combine, co combinative style, style. You know, it's, it's much more than this. It's not we start from the back or we're going to play a long ball. Okay, this is for me a philosophy. This is for me a philosophy. For me, the game model then is told to the kids and for every position in attack, defend, defense, transition, offensive transition, defensive transition, we have identified a number of fundamentals. Okay? I will give you a, 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 very, um, a, a very simple idea. Uh, if you take the example of the center back, the center back, whether he plays in 4-3-3, 4-4-2, or whatever, there are some fundamentals for a center back everywhere in the world. Okay, And to, to link it with scanning, we try to uh, ask him or to give him cues to watch before deciding. For instance, your center back, the first thing you have to analyze is the position of the striker. Okay, of the, of the opponent, huh? of course, of the other team. So, where am I positioned according to the striker? Am I close? Am I far? Do I have time? Or am I under pressure? This is the first stuff. Then the second stuff is I have the ball in the foot. I have to be able to... Um, I have the ball, so I'm, I would say the first attacker, okay? Because I, I'm a defender, but I'm, I'm attacking. So I have the ball, I'm attacking. Then I have three different cues to identify. First cue is, do I have space in front of me? If I have space in front of me, if the, if the striker is far away, then I can go, I can drive the ball into this space. Then where do I stop? I'm not here to dribble, but do I stop? Uh, uh, where do I stop according to the line of the, of the midfielders? At this moment, as a center back, you have to decide what kind of pass you're going to make. Three different cues. There, there are some other ones, okay? But this is for us the starting point. And then I'm, I will tell you the process, you know, in the youth development. Um, first one is. Look very far away on the opposite side and identify the position of your winger. 
to play a long ball. This is option. Actually, this is not option one, this is option two, okay? Because option one is identify what happens between the lines, identify the gaps. If the gaps is open, close, if one of your teammates is unmarked or if he's marked, and then be able to play a through pass you know, between the lines. This is option one, okay? Because the idea is to play on the ground. But if it's closed, there is all my teammates are marked, you know, within the uh, inside, you know, the, the game, then identify the position of your, of your winger. This is option two. Option two, play a long ball on the opposite side. Option three, I have space. The midfielder of the opposite team is not, is not um, stepping up. I'm able to, dr to drive the ball in order to, I would say, create superiority on the on the next line, you know, and then identify the position of the defenders and see if there is space behind. And then maybe you can find a winger running back behind the back four, or maybe you can see uh, a fullback running into the back four. Okay, I, I could have shown you, but I know it's a podcast, but I have videos and, and I have, uh, I have uh, some PowerPoint presentation about this. So when you're a center back, when you arrive in the Havre, in the game model, you will teach the center back or you will tell him to the center back, this is what I want you to watch, to what, what I want you to see. So it's linked to scanning because that means I will guide him where to look at. I would say where, where to, to identify the cues, you know, so long ball, uh, through, through pass or a pass uh, behind the back four of the opposite team. And then make the decision, identify the situation and make the decision. And because we have references, these, these references are used when we correct the player after a game. For instance, if I want my, 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 my center back to work on analyze his game, I will not tell him, oh, look, you were bad or you were good or you were, oh, you were wonderful. No, no, no. I'm gonna, uh, we played again this afternoon. I spoke with my center back. They know they have those three cues. I say, look, I want you to identify two good situations, two good passes, which can be option one, two, or three. Okay. And I want you to identify two bad choices. And then we discuss about it. So this is the, the, the part after the, uh, the game. And then we will discuss, we will compare what uh, the reference is and we will compare what he did. Good, bad, discuss about it and try to understand why he made this choice, why he made this choice rather than another one, okay? So this is how we work. So for every position, we have references, three references, transition. So we have the same for the fullback, for the defensive mid, offensive mid, winger, striker, um, uh, uh, transition, uh, offensive transition, defensive transition, defense and attack. And for each uh, position, we have a specific drill. Okay, because this is important. So sometimes in our weekly plan, in our week plan, you know, we decide to say, okay, today we're going to work on the center backs. So we will focus our attention on the center backs. Okay, so we have a specific drill to work this kind uh, to, to have them to identify some cues, you know? So this is how we build the game model, you know? So at the end, 
when you work with the center back, with the full back, with the defensive mid, the offensive mid, at the end, they have a clear view of what they have to do in the system, how they can move. So uh, I'm a midfielder. I know that my center back is driving the ball because the striker is far away. I'm a midfielder. How do I move into the gap? Okay. When do I move? Uh, when to move? How to receive the ball? Because I know that his cue is to identify where I am positioned inside. You know, or if I'm a winger, okay, I can see that my center back is driving. Maybe he's going to try to play a long ball on the other side with me. So, you know, you try to connect the players because they know the cues of each of everybody. So they, they know that if I'm, if I'm a winger, I, I can be a cue for the center back. Or if I'm a midfielder, I can be a cue. And, and we have the same for every position, you know. And then you can tell me, yes, but Michael, uh, do you think that an under-12 boy is able to play a long ball? The question is no. The question is no, okay? But we add options according to the age. So that means we will ask to our under-12 team or under-11 team to play a through pass and the pass in the space behind the back four because this is an easy pass to make. But then when you, when you are 14 and 15 or 16, then you will add this option to long ball because they are stronger, they, are, they, they, they have more strength and they are able to play a long ball on the opposite side. You know? So this is how we construct our game model. You know? So the game model is based on philosophy, but also on fundamentals per position for each position. Very interesting. And yet it all reverts back to Michael, you know, the delivery of the message. And we spoke a bit earlier about Pochettino and Guardiola even having to adapt to the players at their disposal. I mean, what I'm curious to learn is how you yourself as a coach and as a person has had to adapt to the latest crop of players coming through to La Havre Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, if I come back to, to, the, to, to the point, you know, again, we guide the players. We don't tell the players what to do, okay? We give them three options, but at the end, the one who decides is the player. And then as a coach, I will analyze with him his decision and see if option one was better than option B or option C, you know? But you know this because I, I probably, I, I think that you were a player yourself, you know? When you are on the field, when you are playing with the ball, even if you worked the, the previous week, uh, okay, uh, you have to do this and this and that, but when you're on the field, you're alone and it, it never happens or rarely happens, rarely happens. So the idea is not to, to tell the player, I want you to do this, is to say, look, I'm gonna give you some cues to identify. And then you are alone on the field, you have the ball in the, in the feet, you are the one who's going to decide. And as a youth developer, I will help you to understand the situation you were in, because he played the game, and I will help you to identify maybe if you made the right choice or if you made the wrong choice according to the situation. So you decided to play a through pass, a through pass, but at the end, your pass was intercepted, and you didn't see that on the opposite side, the winger was was alone you know so you will try to help him and because of course in the learning process you start at a very early age and you do it every year then at the end it becomes something that 
the boy is not closed into i want you to do this or that the boy is closed in in cues identify the cues and make your choice and make your choice when it's all said and done i mean michael in your role as technical director it's quite multifaceted you're obviously involved in the day-to-day -day operations the planning yes. the logistics and you know you're on the pitch on a daily basis but overall i mean in your position what does success mean to you for me uh, <clears throat> the success is only the success of the player uh, I, I i promise you that i don't care about when i say this Again, don't, don't take it in the wrong way. I don't care about the results. Okay, when I say I don't care about the results, what I focus on the behavior of the players on the, on the field and on the content on the field, okay? Now, if I play against PSG and I lose 2-0, if the content was good, I'm happy, okay? If I win 9-0 against an amateur club, but then the content was too easy and we didn't play the way we should have played, I'm not happy. So, I mean, the result for me is not the main indicator uh, to success. For me, the main indicator to success is what happened on the field and how you, as a coach, you use it to help your player to grow. You know, because at the end, when I see Pogba playing for Man United, when I see Mares playing for Leicester, when I see Payet playing for Marseille, or all the players, Elise uh, Mousset, who, was in, who is in England, this is for me the success. You know, when, when you come to Le Havre, you will see all those pictures of the players, you know, who came through the academy, and this is for us the main trophy. You know, this does not mean that I, want, I don't want to win. We all want to win, okay? We all want to win, and we never tell them because you are preparing for, for the highest level, so... You never tell them, oh, I want you to lose. No, no, no. This is not the way it, it works. But for me, when I see my player uh, 17, 19, playing with the pro team, you know, in the main stadium, I'm very happy. This is my job. You know, and this is for me the, the success. Then the rest, the rest is, is uh, has, no, has no sense for me. But for me, the most important is to see him play with the first team. And this is my only... Um, I would say matter of living and my matter of working, I would say, is to have to, to see them with the first team. And then, of course, winning the World Cup, because you know that we, we are very lucky because we had two, three players, uh, three players of the academy won the World Cup, the last World Cup. You know, so we are very proud, you know, because we are the only one academy with Lyon having three players, you know, uh, uh, in the same academy. Uh, winning the World Cup, so we are very, very happy because, of course, uh, it's also for us the, the biggest trophy. You know, I, I haven't won the World Cup, but I'm very happy to see them, uh, you know, uh, with the World Cup and say, "Oh, I was lucky to work with those kind of players." And obviously, it's an illustrious set of names on the list run so long you wouldn't believe, Michael. But I mean, <laughs> if you were to be a little bit, you know, indulgent, I mean, what three characteristics would you use to describe yourself? As a coach, I think I'm uh, curious. I like um, I like um, making some research and um, going to other countries. You know, I, I travel a lot. You know, in the US, travel a lot in the world. You know, to share ideas. I like sharing ideas, but I also like learning from others. You know, so when I came to the football innovation summit, but I often go I often go to the US. 
uh, I mean, it's for me, it's a great experience because I, I like this. So I, I'm quite curious, you know, hard worker, because, you know, um, I have to say that uh, I spend a lot of hours, you know, uh, it's uh, seven days a week, uh, almost uh, 10, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day, you know, because I arrive very, very early and leave uh, very late, you know, the academy because you have, uh, of course, I would say the daily work, but when I come back uh, late at home, you know, like today, I'm sharing ideas, I'm discussing with other coaches, I'm learning, uh, and I like learning, and, uh, and, and, uh, and this is uh, important. And I would say uh, I like uh, help, helping, I would say, the kids, uh, but not only the kids, you know, also the coaches, you know, because... Uh, because I think that my job is this, you know, as a youth developer, uh, I was given the chance to work with the pro team. Uh, I was given the chance to be uh, the first team coach or the, the manager of the women team who played in D1, which is the highest level in France, you know. But at the end, you know, my, my job is, 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 uh, is helping the, the, the young ones to, to, to succeed, you know. So I like helping the, 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 the kids, coaches to grow and to 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 improve uh, their everyday everyday work i would say you know so this is a, how i would uh, sum up i would say my my way of working or my way of thinking and as somebody who's developed you know world cup winners you know top of the top when it comes to late football what advice yeah. would you have for young coaches that are at professional clubs grassroots clubs that would look to trod a similar path to yourself Again, I think work, work hard, you know, work hard, you know, because uh, I think the worst thing, you know, you, the worst thing for a coach is to stop learning. Because I think that uh, every day, well, I'm lucky because I'm working in a pro academy. I used to work in an amateur club a long time ago. And I think that the worst thing is, is to, 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 to stop learning, you know, so because uh, our job, I mean, there are so many, even myself, you know, I'm learning every day, you know, when I say I'm learning every day, sharing ideas, uh, talking with other coaches, sometimes uh, looking for some drills, you know, on the web and say, oh, okay, I'm going to use it and try to adapt it this way. And I think that as a coach, when you come on the field and you repeat every day the same thing and, you know, and there are many coaches like this sometimes, you know, they arrive, they know how to make a, a technical drill or a possession game. And then uh, while you do the same thing every week, uh, every year, then it becomes, you know, uh, boring, you know. Uh, when you train five, six, seven times a week, uh, you have to bring ideas, you know, because if you don't bring ideas, then your players will get bored you know, and you will get bored yourself, you know. So the idea is to, to have something, you know, uh, powerful, you know, where, where you can share ideas, where you can try things. And this is how, this is what I like in this job, you know, in this job when I arrive, you know, when I was a, when I was a teacher every day, you arrive, say, okay, I'm going to teach English, I'm going to teach uh, present, past, uh, you know. In football, you can try, you know, according to the game you play, according to the game you're going to play, you can try stuff, you know, and uh, stop. I, I would say that work hard uh, because I see when, when you stop learning, you know, you you are 
you are losing your your passion and you are losing your 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 i would say your uh, yes i would say your your passion you know and i think that when you work with young kids you have to keep this passion of course i think that's great advice to close the show but anyways michael it's been an absolute honor and privilege to be on the end of an hour long coaching masterclass i'm sure myself and many many others will get so much value from this episode so thank you once again thank you connor it was a pleasure to to share with you and and again uh, if you want to share if you want me to share some ideas or if you want to share some ideas as i said i'm open-minded so i have to learn from you and, and and i can share some ideas with you and uh, this is how we how we grow you know how we grow <laughs>